Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's Froth here of the Thought Eater Podcast. Doing this one on the road over here in Marietta, Georgia with the wife's family. Uh, getting ready to have a big day with the cousins running around and uh, a meal that's going to put me into a, a food coma. I can guarantee that. promise you that. I uh, didn't run my game last night because of the holidays, so still wanted to put something up uh, for Sunday. And so uh, Ray Otis from the Plundergrounds podcast had put out a call. It's a couple weeks ago now, maybe even three. I'm a little tardy, but uh, about doing a podcast around the idea of something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. So I've been thinking about it and came up with some ideas that I thought I'd share. For my something old, I'm going back to, I'm going old school, back to the Blackmore supplement for OD&D. This is one I think gets a little bit unfairly maligned. It was credited to Dave Arneson and interviews that I've seen uh, with Tim Cask, who was the editor of uh, T- for TSR stuff at the time. You know, talks about how it was really just a a mismatch of half-formed ideas, not well put together, and that there was a lot of editing involved. And I know several of the supplements back then, you know, the classes may have appeared other places, and other people add in some monsters and things like that. So it's got the assassin and the monk in there. Um, both of which are classes that I like. Uh, a lot of people hate on the monk. There are some house rules I'd add to it. I don't know. I've always loved monks for some reason. Maybe it's because I grew up taking Taekwondo and me and my brother would try to buy different throwing stars and stuff like that. But I don't know if that's it so much as I just like the playing a character like that in a fantasy setting. But... Um, I do allow for some house ruling in first edition, uh, particularly the hit dice and uh, letting your two hit modifiers be affected. But I don't so mind the the weak AC at, at first. Uh, <clears throat> I kind of like how it gets better over time. And after all, you are just you know in a robe, you know, or <laughs> whatever, just wandering around with all these other people in heavy armor. So. Um, Anyway, but the, the the real creme de la creme of of the Blackmoor supplement is, of course, uh, Temple of the Frog, which is uh, still one of the great adventure modules of all time. Um, I don't know if you've never read it. I I would advise you to somehow track it down to, to look at it. But what I really like about it is that it's just kind of presented without any kind of DM tip or hints or anything like that. And I also like that it's the kind of module that, you know, you can't just walk straight in there with a party of five and expect to survive at all. Um, maybe even get into the thing. Um, it kind of feels like it harkens back to old play where you might have a, you know, be traveling around with a small army. 
And uh, even with a, a huge group, it's going to take some guerrilla tactics and hit and run tactics and things like that to ever hope to to defeat it. Um, but I, I love it, and there's something about Arneson that I really like too. Uh, obviously, didn't have a mind for business, or really, I don't even mean, think Gygax had a idea for the how much success Dungeons and Dragons would have. But Arneson always seemed to me like a ideas guy that just liked to have fun. Of course, the industry kind of chewed him up and spit him out a little bit, probably because of that. Um, but there's something about the spirit, even in, you know, despite how much editing probably went into it, you know, the ideas of his that are there, there's something just kind of fun and creative about it that I always <clears throat> enjoyed about him. So that's what I was thinking about for something old. Thinking about taking it back to Blackmore. As far as something new goes, I thought about what the most recent thing I purchased was, and that uh, the most recent thing that's actually come and is in my hands, is in my house, is the uh, Stranger Things 5e box set. <clears throat> and I didn't even unwrap it, I just put it straight on the shelf. Uh, I know it's gotten mixed reviews, but I knew I was going to buy it the second I saw it because I like Stranger Things and then I just like collecting 5e. To be really honest with you, I've got a bunch of 5e books that I haven't even really opened. Um, I, James from Grognardia said one time that he just wants to have, the only things in his collection he wants to have are things he's actually using. And I'm kind of the opposite of that. I, I, I do like to collect and I like to think that I'm going to use things sometimes that I maybe never will. But I'm not really running 5e right now anyway. But even if I did, I don't know if I'd end up, you know, using this. So it was just something that since I like Stranger Things in D&D, &D, I, I knew I wanted to buy. I know there's like a Japanese or German word for buying books that you're never going to read. And whatever that word is, that can sometimes describe me. But that's the newest thing I've got. Something borrowed. I was thinking about talking about mechanics that I borrow from other games and use. Like uh, maybe one of my favorite things, if not the favorite thing, uh, about 5e is the, the movement rules in combat. I like being able to move, attack, and then continue moving. I like being able to move while you're engaged with something, move around it. And as long as you don't leave its reach, you don't provoke opportunity attacks. So... <clears throat> I like that quite a bit, but I really wanted to take it take it back to 1985 and 1986 when I first started playing. And a friend of mine in the neighborhood, I'd moved, my parents had gotten divorced and we moved from Alabama to Georgia. And the neighborhood and I lived in, in Georgia, you know, this was back in the good old days where you can just go out on your bike all day long, um, have adventures. Uh, it's totally different now. Um, as many of y'all that grew up then know, but um, good friend of mine who's still a close friend, his older brother, who I still stay in contact with, actually went on to do a lot of interesting stuff in entertainment. He wrote the new Hellboy. He co-created this show Eureka that used to be on Sci-Fi, and ended up doing all this cool stuff. But he was the older brother, and he had three games. He had TSR Marvel Superheroes, the original Judge Dredd game, and 
first edition AD&D. Maybe if we'd had the red box or BX or something like that, we actually would have learned how to play. <laughs> because <laughs> if you're, you know, people talk about how the first edition DMG is incomprehensible, you know, now as an adult. Well, try it when you're 10. <laughs> we, we had no idea what we were doing. But we had tons of fun with it anyway. But uh, there's just the one set of books, so... It was a different day, you know, a different person would have the books at their house, you know. We kind of played wherever, whoever had the books, you know, and you always wanted to end up getting a hold of the books, and then you didn't really want to let them go. So I'd have the, I remember distinctly carrying the PHB around with me from place to place, reading the cleric spells and stuff, and not understanding what the hell anything meant. Uh, segments. I barely understand segments now, so. Uh, but I remember have a fond memory of you know everybody kind of after a game trying to decide who can take what book and I, you know I just got stuck with the manual of the planes <laughs> if you don't when you're 10 and you don't understand the rules or even how Gygax's name is pronounced I always thought it was Gygax for a long time uh, you really don't understand the manual of the planes so that was something borrowed you know, you try to read it anyway, it's like, oh, God, I got the manual of the planes tonight. I, you know, you really want the PHB or the monster manual. God, those those images from those old days, reading the monster manual, that's just like, you know, it burnt into the synapses and connections of my brain and just made a huge just imprint. It's amazing um, how much that you know, just impacted my brain and uh, caused a lifelong love for it. Um, even though I had a gap in not playing, when I came back, I was like, God, people are still playing D&D. I can't believe they're making a new additions for the Holy crap. And then bought all the old stuff, found out people were not only playing it, but making stuff for it. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And getting the old books again, it was just everything flooding back. Uh, so something borrowed was everybody passing around those books, trying to understand them, <laughs> running Monty Hall campaigns, where you end up with just absurd amounts of loot. Something blue. So this one I was thinking about, and I didn't want to do... Holmes Basic or the Expert book. I didn't want to do. I want to do a book that's actually blue, but not want something that was that obvious. So I was looking through my collection stuff, different blue books or supplements, and I found one Frostgrave, which is kind of like a miniature game, um, almost you know like a miniature not exactly a war game but sort of like those rules and i bought this when it came out all excited about it but quickly found that you know i wasn't going to be affording or making any of the cool terrain stuff needed but it's still something i want to try to play i don't know i have this picture in my mind of myself in retirement just really getting into war games and terrain and stuff like that as my hobby but I'd like to do it before then, play some before then. So I think it might be something good to try just on roll 20 at some point. You can really control the terrain 
and stuff on there so but anyway it's pretty cool and it's got a blue cover so frost grave is my something blue all right well i appreciate it uh listen you know i enjoyed i should say listening to everybody's different uh things for this you might hear some wind chimes i'm sitting back here on the porch at the in-laws um it was cool hearing everybody's twists on it i thought it was cool of ray to put out the call and everybody to do something that, that fit to it so happy to participate it's a neat thing and uh something else i was thinking about i, I kind of want to do one more podcast per week you know i do my hump day on wednesday that's always going to be you know what that is and then uh on Sundays, I'll do usually my campaign recaps. That's always kind of what that is. And then I do the five-minute Friday, which allows me a little leeway to play around, but I try to keep it short. And I want to do something else that wasn't that wasn't too short, but wasn't as long as the other things, you know, kind of like Goldilocks or something, find something in the middle, like the Mama Bear size podcast. And I was thinking about it. My mind works really categorically. I kind of organize things and look for connections. And it's just, I've even taken personality tests that show that my brain works that way. And so it really helps me to have a little bit of a structure to kind of play in. Maybe that's why I like role-playing games so much. I don't know. Or music, but... Anyway, I was thinking of another idea. I thought about doing maybe a top five list. And then I thought, well, no, you give me five of anything and I'll take an hour talking about it. So I shortened it to a top three. So I'm going to start something new. We'll see if it lasts, but we top three Tuesdays. And I'm going to come up with a different idea each Tuesday and talk about my top three in it. And I thought that that might you know, maybe spur conversations or disagreements and and that kind of thing. And I thought it'd be kind of challenging for me to sometimes come up with a top three. It's really kind of tough, but so Tuesday I've already decided I'm going to do one on uh, Zeb Cook stuff. Uh, my top three Zeb Cook supplements, books, whatever. And of course, uh, he did, uh, co-wrote the expert book, um, second edition, Oriental Adventures, and a bunch of great modules and everything else. So if you want to hear what my top three for Zeb Cook are, that's going to be the Tuesday cast, and then I'll be thinking of ideas for each Tuesday and just kind of um, share my thoughts, and hopefully it'll be entertaining. All right, that's all I got for you all. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you. Want to contact me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com, or use the form on the Thought Eater blog. Um, if you haven't already downloaded the Psionic Platypus Zine, about 200 downloads right now. I think that's pretty good, um, considering it's just a little niche product. So if you downloaded it and checked it out, really appreciate it. Working on the second one. Also working on a one-page dungeon with, uh, with my daughter that I hope uh, turns out good, or her picture certainly is. Want to say thanks again to people backing me on Patreon. Appreciate you very much. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com.